0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Ducks Digest. We got another big episode of the pod today. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Uh, today, I got a, an awesome guest that I'm super psyched about, a uh, good buddy of mine, a YouTuber, uh, Sports Chat 503 a.k.a. Ryan Winter. Ryan, how you doing, man? Glad to have you on. Awesome.
2: Thanks so much, Max. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, man.
1: Right on, right on. So, um, you know, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, you know, kind of threw some ideas around to, to put this episode together. But kind of an episode that I, th- uh, a topic, not an episode, a topic that I thought would be fun to start with today uh, is talk about the uniforms. So, um, let's hop into it. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen so we can, uh, we can get this up on, on the YouTube so people can see it, but yeah. So you're seeing my screen. Okay. There, Ryan.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I like, I think that it's kind of cool. they went to, you know, the futuristic, but they went with a little bit of the throwback on the shoulders. You know, uh, I do like the, the, the color of green. They've been going with that for the last couple of years, apple green or whatever you want to call it. The big numbers I like, the different type of font on the numbers, they're trying to do that. Especially, you can see it there on Johnny Johnson. You can also see the weight room paying off some of these guys. I really like uh, where they've gone with just having the guys be in their own uniforms rather than, you know, a couple five to ten years ago, whenever they'd model these uniforms, they'd always do it with some random guy, you know, or they'd do it on some mannequin. It looked really weird. So I think it's good to see the guys in the jerseys. And they like it. They like going to the photo shoot and doing the whole thing. But I do like uh, uh, the the winged helmet. I thought the winged helmet was a pretty cool look. Kind of a throwback in the Marcus Mariota thing. The The gradient color is pretty cool as well. You were talking about maybe not digging as much the chrome on the yellow helmet. I kind of go with that a little bit. But what I really like is the technology of the jerseys. I think that's really what it's really about. The coolest part about being an Oregon fan and having your uh, team on the jersey, there's that chrome on the yellow, is to see the new development of the jersey, actual like technology of the jersey, and uh, you know this is a jersey that the Ducks are gonna wear this year. The NFL is gonna wear it in like another year and a half or two maybe, and it's just cool to see just how they design it, where they put the different seams and. How they uh, uh, make it so uh, tight on and actually form fitting for a guy like George Moore there, at the same token as a guy named, you know like Johnny Johnson the I think that's one of the other things. Historically, you know, as a big guy myself, big guys didn't really look that great in jerseys, and now they're trying to make them a little bit more form fitting. They actually cover the whole guy, and instead of having you know the back hanging out or whatever. So, I do like the all one color. You know, you've seen a couple of these pictures where they do. You know, all yellow socks with the yellow shoes with the yellow pants with the, um, yeah. but I also do like having the the, the, the cross color connection where you have a green top with the yellow pants. So uh, I'm I'm always into the jerseys as a kid myself personally. I grew up in the '80s where, you know, in the '90s where they started to really kind of develop jerseys a little bit more. Yeah, that I love that pick there. I just love that you they gave George the center. A guy who's been there for so long. They joked about that on Twitter. They said, George has been here for, you know, this quarterback, that quarterback. They list fouts and everything. But Brandon Dorlis, you know, I think is ready to go this year. And, and, you know, Noah Sewell, I mean, they don't. I don't know if they make the bands big enough for him. He's looking like Ultimate Warrior with those things on the side of his arm. These guys are hitting the weight room hard. I think that's one of the coolest things for me is just to see these guys, the transition of these guys over time. Coming in as freshmen and leaving as seniors just absolutely shredded.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, no, without a doubt, you know, just to to kind of run through uh, a couple of my quick thoughts, uh, you know, on the on the uniforms. Um, I think I was looking for the tweet the other day. Uh, I was tweeting about uh, the the placement of the O on the uniforms. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you remember, in uh, I think last year they had it where the Nike swoosh is now kind of over to the side. Um, but I think that this is a much cleaner look. It's, it's something that they've done in the past. So kind of going back to what worked. Um, and then they also kind of have some, some little wing elements within that little patch on uh, the center, which I think is cool. Uh, love the gradient, the transition from the yellow to the green here. You've touched on that a little bit. And then the, I, I don't really know what to call them. They kind of look like maybe some studying of sorts, uh, on the, the shoulders. I don't think they're ducks or like birds or anything. You can see it here with George Moore, like the, the black, as uh you know highlighted by those little yellow things but I thought it was really cool that they went to bring that back and you know it's it's a a simple look you know kind of sticking with a little bit of what we saw last year but then adding in some of those finer details like you were saying but you just know that they're gonna have some something crazy for you know a big game like I'd be I mean I'm not gonna promise anything but I'd be absolutely shocked if they went with one of these uh, uniforms that we're seeing now for the Ohio State game, just given the hype that is kind of going into that matchup.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, just if you if you scroll back onto that picture of Doralus there too, the, the close up. You know, you, even you can see it in just the knee pads. You know, those are built into the pants. They're designed to where they're cut on the outside. They give them more flexibility. And you know, for years guys didn't want to wear knee pads because they were uncomfortable. They did. They didn't stay in the place of the pants or whatever. And just the cool design I'm just I just love the design. I got a bunch of my friends work out at Nike and I've, I've talked with a couple of the guys who are in the process of, 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 of doing the design work uh, and it's great, man, it's one of the coolest things what Oregon has going for it. I really think the link between University of Oregon and Nike is an organic one. It's not forced. it was a natural process, but then they started to understand, hey, these kids have some really cool ideas, let's bring them in, and let's really start this process of getting in-house player uh, involvement and, and, and feedback. That's where the diamond plate came from originally. That was the original diamond plate uh, uh, was awesome. The wings, all that stuff came from the kids. And uh, and why not? So, I, yeah, I really like this design. It looks like you've got a little bit of the retro with the diamond plate. And for these guys, the diamond plate era, this was retro. This, they were they were they were little kids. They were in elementary school and the diamond plates were on. So uh, or, or even younger. So mm-hmm. uh, for us, maybe as some old schooler ducks, we, we, we kind of see it differently. But we love the green and yellow. That's another big thing. I think there's a pretty big proportion of the student population and of the alumni Everybody else connected that would rather see green and yellow. They don't like as much the black or the gray or the other sort of uniforms. And um, I, I I can go both ways on it, but I, I do kind of prefer out of all these jerseys, the, my favorite jersey is the all green with the yellow. I mean that just it, that that screams Oregon. I like the white jerseys as well. Um, I do kind of like the white with the green pants rather than the all white. You know I'm not superstitious, but for whatever reason, the all white is. We've done some weird things with those sometimes, and and I like the green helmets. I think it's hard to match the green on the helmet with the green on the jersey. It's really difficult to get those exact, um, and uh, I think they've done a really good job with it. And, and again, player feedback, player input always helps. And then, n- not to mention, then just for going on another second, it's not like it's a direct jump to go to Nike and they start working at Nike immediately. No, they get opportunities to kind of do work. Uh, on that team uh, as, a, as a student, and then when they go out, if they do choose to do design work or other sort of stuff and be a creative, then that's cool. They might have an opportunity for that work in the future, but they're going to have to apply just like anybody else. They're going to get maybe a leg up on the competition when that comes down uh, later on. But there's been some really successful ducks who've made that leap uh, to go over to Nike and be on that team. And, and then that's even cooler, the fact that you've got alumni sitting around the table with the young kids coming up with these new designs and these designs were you know all come up basically probably two three years ago uh so it's it's pretty cool i i, I love it I, I thought the ohana jersey was one of the coolest jerseys they had done yes um, I, over for the last 20 30 years i i, I do think that stands out to me uh, and i would love to see that on the road in a white i think that Ooh. would be just tremendous so i do think that could be something that you could flirt with, with the Ohio state game. You said maybe a different Jersey for the Ohio state game. That would be pretty sweet to do something like that.
1: Yeah, no, without a doubt, that's something crazy. I've never even thought about that one. Just to, to wrap up the, the uniform discussion real quick. I think my favorites are these, uh, the white ones of the ones that they released. Um, I think that, you know, just a, a little bit of yellow thrown in there would, would be really clean. Um, something reminiscent of the, the USC game from, from 2019. Uh, I believe that would be really cool and then you see how how strong how strongly received the the Jordan and Ohana uniforms as well are by recruits you know they put they get those photo shoots uh, at the U of O on their visits and they're just you know those are one of the favorites so uh, definitely doing a lot of special stuff there as far as the uniform goes but let's talk about the on-field product what do you say Ryan
2: yeah absolutely do it
1: let's do it so I think one of the positions that people just get so excited about every year. And it's definitely a guy a tradition of excellence here at Oregon is the running backs. You know, you have CJ Verdell and Travis Dyer returning, but there are so many capable young guys that could hear their name called this year, uh, you know, down the line. Yeah.
2: Well in a normal year they would right? in a normal year, both those other guys would be ready to get going. Most of these other guys would be having an opportunity to get going. Uh, COVID changed the game for this whole lineup this year. This is such a strange year where you have, you know, I was talking to Keith Brown about this, I don't even, it feels like over a year ago where he said feels like his freshman class and the freshman class above him, Noah Sewell's class, are like almost the same class. They've like combined in a weird way. And it, it, it is going to get interesting. I think there's a lot of talent in the running back room. Having, you know, C.J. Riddell, I I think is, it can even be underrated a little bit uh, in, his, in his, in what he can do. Uh, very, very strong back between the tackles. Um, doesn't have a lot of mistakes, even though we, you look at the Stanford situation when he was young and maybe some of the other games where he early gave up the ball. But, you know, he, he pretty much is a strong running back with the ball in his hands. Um, but he's a traditional back, and I think a lot of people get lost in the idea that they want something fancier. They want the Reggie Bush. They want the guy who can run out in the backfield and do a variety of things, and I, I think CJ can do that as well, but I just think he's a much more traditional back versus a guy like Travis Dye who can do just about anything on the field. I think he's very versatile. I think he could take snaps as the quarterback probably even. In a playground sort of situation. I mean, seriously, you know, the guy is just an athlete and and, and he makes plays and he gets first downs. And uh, so I think both those guys are really steady. If you were an offensive coordinator and you had two running backs that have had this sort of success since their freshman year on a program like Oregon, I mean, you know these guys are studs. So then you start talking about the guys underneath them, and it's like, oh my God, everybody's favorite running back is Sean Dollars, and we love this guy. He's a great guy, great individual, and you know he's going to be explosive. He just hasn't had the opportunity, and then he gets that injury, which was just devastating, knocks him out for the spring, but... You know, I I think there's a lot of guys there. You talk about Cardwell, you talk about Seven, McGee coming in. These guys are young, they're hungry, and they look the part too. I mean, these pictures that you were posting online and the pictures that we're getting from, you know, Duck, you know, everybody else out there who's doing their thing, these guys are ripped. These guys are coming in freshman year looking like grown men, seniors, juniors in college. That's a rarity. Um, I remember when DeAnthony Thomas came in his freshman year and the guy looked, like a freshman he looked thin i mean he was an explosive player don't get me wrong but these guys don't look like that these guys come in cut up so um yeah i i think the running back room is strong losing cyrus i do think is a is an issue because you have that big running back that you've depended on in years past but benson's a big running back and I think you can fill the gap with other guys there. And, and I don't even know if you necessarily need the, the big running back in some situations. I think you can give the ball to, to CJ on a third down play just as easy. So um, I do think CJ is looking at an opportunity to be an NFL running back. He looks to me like an NFL running back. Size, strength, speed. He just needs to have a great year this year. Stay healthy and, and hopefully they can feed him the rock. I like to see Travis die out of the backfield, but I wouldn't mind seeing CJ have a lot of carries this year.
1: Yeah. CJ is, is another guy just, you know, just like Johnny Johnson, he is cut up. Like that dude is just shredded. Um, you know, people can say what they want about, you know, his durability, but that when that dude is on and the line is clicking, man, it is, it is a, a sight to behold. And, and I also just, you know, you talk about Travis die. I think myself, you know, obviously when he committed to Oregon, I wasn't in Eugene, I wasn't, uh, you know, a beat reporter that time and going to practices. But I just, I really didn't expect much out of him. Like, okay, yeah, he's Troy Dye's brother. He, he's a smaller guy. He's fast, but that dude just gets it done straight up. And, and I think that, you know, to go to your point about, you know, wanting a bigger back, Cardwell looks like he's college ready from a physical standpoint as well six foot two fifteen, And it's just another, another, you know, example uh, of how much the, the program has changed and how much higher the bar is being set. Um, you know, whether it be just talent or, you know, where you're at physically under Cristobal.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at the guys on the other side of them, those linebackers, those young linebackers. I mean, gee, I, it just it, it just keeps getting crazier. And, and that could be because of the recruiting. Uh, but it also, I think it's the strength and conditioning. I think the strength and conditioning across the country has really changed last 10, 15 years in the high school level. And these kids are going specialized Training. They're going to these different sorts of, 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 of different ways of training uh, in the summer and and, and, and in the offseason. And they're going to specialists. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, the future is very bright for the running back room. This is a year that's going to be very interesting because of, you know, uh, uh, CJ getting a, and, 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 and uh, Travis Dye. You know who you're going to get with them. You know you're going to get uh, those solid numbers. It's just whether or not those other guys are even going to get touches or not. And, and sometimes in the running back room, especially this year with being so deep in the wide receiver and tight end room, well, they might be throwing the ball a lot too. So you might only get, uh, you know, a chance to have a certain amount of running plays uh, a game that, that maybe in years past with the type of line they have, maybe you would lean on them more.
1: Yeah. And something to be excited about, you, you know, Ryan, you talk about getting those, those snaps is, you know, if this Joe Moorhead offense can get to producing at the clip that they want it to, they should be just blowing teams out of the water and then at that point you don't even need CJ or Travis to be in the game and then you can get those guys some snaps and really take advantage of that four game red shirt rule to to you know, you know you kind of pick and choose your spots, and you can see you know how they match up against some of the higher end teams in the conference.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was I was in communication with Aaron Smith a lot through this winter cross Patton as well. Those guys had a great spring and fall camps and and people are excited about this, that you're, you're seven, eight deep. It feels like in the running back room all can get can, can tote the rock. So I, I, I don't think there'll be a problem there. It's just about injuries. You got to be prepared. I think this is a year where the Ducks can sustain some injuries and, and not really skip a beat.
1: Yeah you know, and the the people that are going to be paving the way for them. We got the offensive line, you know, certainly a position that that isn't glamorous and doesn't get talked about enough. But when you have Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal on the staff, uh, you know, you're going to have some pretty big bodies there. And, uh, you know, that's a position where it really looks like they're starting to get that too deep, right? You know, you, you want that dependable depth and we're seeing that across the board, but really at the offensive line, we got, we got some maulers this year. Oh, big time.
2: Yeah. Offensive line is just, again I, I tend to think when if you if you look back on different schools that have been successful what are they known for right uh, you know you've got you've got running backs you've got quarterbacks wide receivers most glamorous positions n- nobody talking about the offensive line but everybody who knows football says you win in the trenches right so it's about how you have that balance how do you achieve And you know that Ohio State dominates on their offensive line. You know that Alabama dominates on their offensive line. Clemson, these are the best schools in the country for a reason. It starts with their low line. And Oregon has always had good offensive linemen, but maybe not the collection of all of them at the same time together. Yeah. what i mean by that is one or two injuries and all of a sudden now you got a real shake up you know there's been times in oregon's past where they lose two offensive linemen they have to move guys around they're very thin on it uh in key parts of the year and and you and you have you lose communication all these kind of things i was seeing the reports that they already are moving uh forsyth out to guard and and and, and putting uh, a jackson in there and putting other guys in there they did that with marcus last year and you know, I just love that they preach that versatility. And, and guys who are inside guys or guys who are outside guys, it doesn't matter. Guys are going to play a lot of different positions and have a lot of versatility. And then that also helps with knowing all those different uh, points as well. So not only, like you said, are they creating a great two deep, but then that two deep itself is very flexible. <laughs> so it's just they they are they are right there for it i think george moore's gonna have a great year he's the guy who it feels like is the veteran of the whole group that's really gonna lead the thing i do think cristobal is loyal to the guys who've been here we've seen that in the past with the lemieux uh, uh you know team uh hansen you know all those guys those guys played a lot of snaps so i'm assuming that you're gonna see the older guys get a majority of the snaps But I do think you're going to see Kinsley come in here and make some noise. You're going to have some other guys, maybe Logan coming in. There's other guys who are going to make their presence felt quickly. Um, But I do think it's going to be what you saw last year. You bring back basically everybody who uh, you wanted to bring back offensively, right? Including your guys up front. So, you know, Forsyth, I think, is going to be a big name across the country. He's already starting to kind of get a little bit of buzz there. He had a very good year last year, it felt like. Um, And then TJ Bass, very quiet guy, goes to work. You know, I saw just the other day when you guys were talking to Coach. Right behind Coach came Anthony Brown with Alex Forsyth and TJ Bass walking out of the facility like they're already with him just walking from place to place like protecting him from the media almost you know it's a crazy situation i think that ryan walk was probably one of the best linemen all year last year i think he had a great year uh, i don't know if it was because he had maybe lower expectations because people didn't know what to expect from him but incredible guy incredible athlete and i think he's primed to have a fantastic year and then uh, Big Sala as well. He looks leaner, looks, uh, you know, to me, uh, uh, very athletic. And, you know, you got Steven Jones, you can play a broad, wide variety of spots. D- Jonathan Dennis, I think, is going to get a lot of playing time. So I, I, I think they're, again, I think they're turning into a little bit of offensive line U.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you talk about Kingsley. Uh, you know, he was one of the guys that I wanted to make sure to talk to at the Oregon Football Media Day. Uh, you know, we got to request, uh, you know, some players and, and I saw that, uh, you know, he was open and I was I had to talk to him. And, you know, one of the, the biggest things that I think, you know, he wants to talk, uh, you know, make clear is that, you know, sure. You know, he's, he's close with the Sewells and everything and they're all from Utah. But this guy's going to be his own player, you know, like, you know, to heck with the comparisons. You know, this is another special talent that is going to make a name in his own right. Uh, he's, he's currently behind George Moore, I believe on uh, the depth chart. You know, we don't get too many updates from that super often, but you know, fall camp just started. So a lot can clearly happen. And that first unit's you know, looking pretty solid, but um, you know, just some other people to, to go down the offensive line. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher this, but Faiope uh, Lalolu, everyone, just, uh, Mario calls him big Ope. Um, and like we were talking earlier, Ryan, you know, this is a guy who was just absolutely massive coming out of high school um, and, you know, certainly not all of his weight was good weight. And, and now you see him and I'm like, this guy's toned up and he, and he looks like a, a college lineman now. And then, you know, just, there's, there's so many names you can talk about so many people, you know, Jonathan Dennis is, he came in the class of 2020. I believe he was an early enrollee. He was, he's uh, going to be getting some run at center uh, if needed. And, and he's getting shifted along the line. And then Logan Sagapolu, um, uh, another one of those really big Polynesian players that, you know, just throw around weight, like it's nothing in the weight room. Uh, He's, he's nasty on the offensive line and you just keep seeing all of these guys that are ready to go. And I think that, you know, you really don't need that much time to, to get to the the level you need to be when you have a a solid offensive line in place, a good weight program. And so many of these guys are coming in early to get a kickstart on their development.
2: Oh, 100%. I mean, a guy like theope that's a guy who that weight and conditioning team just drools over getting their hands on that guy. I mean, that's literally like Michelangelo chiseling the guy out of a piece of stone. I mean, that's a guy who comes in huge, but he's a very athletic guy. I mean, I saw clips of him playing volleyball uh, in, in Hawaii that were just outstanding. I mean, this guy is built like a door, like I said before. I mean, he's a truly humongous individual. I've asked a lot of the offensive linemen that I've talked with, How big is this guy legitimately? And they're all at 6'5", 300 pounds. They're like, this guy's bigger than everybody by far. He's huge. Uh, And I do think there's a lot of young guys coming in too. You know, Jalen Jeffers, I think, will get there. Bram Waldron. I think think Dawson uh, Amarillo, his younger brother coming in. I think you're going to see just this. Kind of just slowly build into a very very nice offensive line that you can depend on year after year. Not only that, I think this is a school where they'll actually know who the offensive linemen are, just like you see with Ohio State, just like you see with Alabama, just like you see with Clemson. Some of these bigger schools, the, even the media, they're talking about the offensive linemen. They're naming them by name.
1: Yeah, and you know when when these guys' time comes, you know, kind of down the road, or even you know this season. I think, you know, we're kind of going to be in, the, in that, that place where these guys come in and say, oh, shoot, I forgot about him. It's like, yeah, he's ready. He's getting in the game. Um, so offensive line, you know, always going to be a, an interesting story point uh, here uh, at Oregon. Um, the way we kind of had this set up is, you know, c- touching on some offense and then transitioning to some defense. Um, so kind of the last point I wanted to touch on here, Ryan, was um, we, we had just two days of fall camp, but we still haven't seen DJ Johnson. Uh, You know, one of the starting tight ends for the Ducks, uh, Mario talked about, uh, you know, his absence and said, you know, we hope that he's going to be back with us very soon. Uh, So that's the information that we have to work with right now. But, um, you know, he's he's a, a baller in his own right. And they're they're just loaded yet again at tight end.
2: Well, I think a lot of people were expecting the tight end group to be great, even without D.J. Johnson. I think D.J. Johnson was the biggest surprise of last year. And could have, at some point in the year, maybe even at the full year, be the offensive MVP. I mean, I think he made some humongous plays for them. And um, I was very, very, very impressed. He went from the defensive side where he was making some plays and, and doing fairly well. Uh, to the offensive side where he was a legitimate threat to score. He was a major, major, major part of the offense. So um, when he made that move, you know, he said he made that move because he thought he could produce better on the offensive side, uh, which is saying something because I thought he was doing pretty well on the defensive side. So um, I, I do think the way that Mario talked about that, that it's going to be soon and not a big deal, but uh, there's enough talent in that uh, uh Tight end room, and I think the two freshmen have really impressed people as well. Uh, uh, the 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 talent that they're bringing in um, is just next level. To where you gonna you're gonna have that point where those freshmen are gonna push the seniors out the door at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, you talk about those young guys. Um, you know, I, I talked to both Terrence and Maliki when they were recruits, and you know they were. You know, just I was looking at some film on both of them earlier today, and and I feel like Terrence is maybe a little bit more athletic than Maliki, but they're both just absolute studs. Uh, Terrence kind of, you know, they both got, uh, I should say, they both got flexed out in high school, so they're not just traditional tight ends. You know, you can move them kind of all over the field, which is something that you kind of think about when you're thinking about the Moorhead offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they can both block. Um, I, I think that, you know, maybe one of the things I was writing about this earlier today is, uh, I, I want to say Terrence came in a little bit on the lighter side, if you want to call it, like two twenty, two thirty. Mario talked about them uh, at media day, and, and he was saying they're both in the 250, 260 range, and they're both 6'6", yeah. and we haven't even talked about Spencer Webb yet or Patrick Herbert. Right,
2: right. yeah. No, I think the retaining the room is very stacked, and I, I really like what they're going to do, I think, with Moorhead. You saw it a little bit last year. I do think what you saw last year was just a glimpse of what the actual offense could be. Uh, but I do like how they use the tight ends. And I think they're going to need to use the tight ends, uh, especially the, the, two, the two tight end set, uh, more often. I think uh, having the amount of athletes on the tight end group like you have for example you can run you know i love the story when they talk about so spencer webb in the rose bowl when hunter campmoyer came in and started making some really good plays for them and 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 marched him right down the field or had a couple three plays after he had had some drops or whatever spencer webb said that the big play there that right down to the one yard line was actually he was the decoy so to be able to have a guy like spencer webb where he's much more of a wide receiver type tight end and then have another guy on the side who can actually block for you a little bit better uh, i think it's fantastic that's what i see with those two freshmen i see terrence as being much more of the downfield kind of guy maliki being more on the line kind of a guy or in the flat um but I, I really like the what the tight ends are doing and i think obviously people would love to see patrick herbert be successful um, in, in in his opportunity when he gets it. So he, these guys, they'll, they'll cycle them through at least those first couple, three games. Uh, I think you'll see uh, quite a few of those uh, tight ends play.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, a great idea to have you know, those two tight end sets. And then, you know, we, we couldn't talk about the tight ends without talking about Cam McCormick, who's looking like he's back healthy now after battling injuries for what feels like forever. Uh, so hopefully he gets to see the field a little bit this year. But we've touched on offense what do you say we switch it up and talk about a little yeah. bit of defense? Love it, my all favorite right, how, side of the ball. How about how about you start this one off, Ryan? Well,
2: I, the defense I think starts with Noah Sewell, right? I think that's the guy who's going to be the guy who's going to make all the calls in the middle. Obviously, people are going to be watching KT. He's the you know uh, uh, the the breadwinner or the name brand or whatever you want to call it. But I think Noah Sewell is quite possibly the best football player on the entire team i think you could put him at running back i think you could put him at quarterback i think he could punt i think he could do anything on the field and i don't know if there's a lot of guys in that same realm um in the whole country that can do what he can do and i I do think part of it is being the younger brother to a whole group of all d1 athletes I mean, all of his brothers are D1 football players, and, and and in conversations with the other Sewell family members about this, they talk about how explosive he's been the whole time. <laughs> like he has been this guy, and um, I mean, he he just he impressed me more than anything last year. He was in my mind uh, the, the the defensive MVP, and uh, would just had an absolutely tremendous year. The way he tracks balls, the way he explodes through uh, runners, uh, uh, his jump on the ball, his just a knack for the thing. And, and he and even on special teams, gun, gunning, getting the ball. I mean, he's just a truly, truly gifted football player and an absolute pleasure to watch. I mean, how fun is it to think about having a guy like Pene at a lineman position? Now you get to have it, that same quality of player in the middle of the field of the defense making every call and technically almost making every play. It's going to be phenomenal.
1: Yeah. Sewell, Sewell is just, it's so fun to, to watch his development. Uh, you know, he was kind of thrown into it. I mean, I don't know if thrown into it's the right word because, you know, he, he beat out, you know, older, older players as a freshman. Uh, but, you know, just, just seeing his development and how he carries himself out at practice, they were saying yesterday, how he's you know, made it a point to be more vocal um, seeing that he's a, another big voice on the offense, or sorry, defense. He's another uh, leader on the defense. But I'm going to be curious to see how he does in coverage this year specifically. Not to say that he's not good at it, but just when you have guys that that come in as big as he was, he's looking really toned up as well you know, with that raw athleticism and burst. I think that you know coverage is definitely a little bit more of a you know a technique thing that that takes some time to hone in and you know get comfortable with your body and everything at, at the next level, um, especially with a shortened season. So that's kind of something I'm gonna be looking out for him uh, in, in year two with with the ducks. But another guy that I think is gonna be interesting to talk about is Bennett Williams. And kind of when we're having this conversation about uh, the depth in the secondary, because he he has he's played a lot of football yet already, but he hasn't really seen. Uh, you know, a ton of time for Oregon. Yeah.
2: Uh, absolutely love Bennett Williams. I love what he's all about. I love his energy. I love the chip on his shoulder uh, works incredibly hard. One of the hardest workers on the team. Um, very driven has been around has seen things. I mean, I love my conversation with him was just so great talking about uh, uh, all the different transfer rules and all this stuff. Cause he's seen it. He's, he's lived it. Right. Um, I, I, I do think there's going to be an opportunity uh, with Jamal's issue, with DJ's issue, um, not really knowing what that's going to look like in the future, having a little bit of an opportunity, maybe gifted uh, at this point in the game because, you know, Bennett and Jamal are very close. They work out together a lot and they, they push each other. And uh, so, obviously, uh, you know, it, it, it might come at a, a negative time. I mean, uh, you, you got to deal with the situation that it is. But these guys are going to take every opportunity to go after it. I think Happel's the other guy who had a great year last year. Solid player. Been around. Knows a lot about the game. I think putting guys back there that are very smart. Steve Stevens. Guys who are really smart football players um, are going to be just... The secondary is going to be awesome, I think, this year. The Ducks... Uh, Defense has been the better unit for the last couple, three years. I think it'll continue to be the better unit. Uh, Maybe this next year going forward, they'd put a lot of really solid offensive players together on this team, too. But defensively, they have been getting the best players. So, you know, uh, when you see KT, um, when you see Justin Flo, when you see Noah Sewell, um, and then nobody's even talking about Jackson LaDuke. Or Mace Funa, I think Mace is going to have just an incredible year, and I really like the flexibility that they have with their linebackers. You were talking about putting Noah in uh, pass coverage a little bit. You know, he wants to stuff the run. That's where his that's where his bread and butter is, right? A gap, B gap. But I do think he's flexible enough to move back. But I do think they're also going to put in a lot of different things. You know, I've been watching a lot of Ohio State's offense or uh, Ohio State's defense and. They run a very kind of interesting uh, uh, little formation where they only run kind of two linebackers, but they have these safety linebacker hybrid kind of guys that can come up and cover a lot of different ways. they got five guys in the backfield, and it's, it's a very strange setup, but I think Oregon's running something very similar to that, or they're leaning toward that. And we don't really know what is going to do this year, scheme-wise, that's different than what we've seen in the past, but golly, I, I think that this linebacker core could be the most talented linebacker core we've had in a very long time. And that's saying something because there's been some really, really good linebackers at Oregon lately. And, um, and these guys could, I mean, Noah Sewell just impresses the hell out of me. And we haven't even really seen Justin Flo, And I think the way that they're going to work together is just going to be bread and butter, man. I am. Over the moon with how happy I think this young... And not only that, in this world of college football where you think maybe you only got one or two years with these guys because you see them at the end of their career. No. Noah came in as a freshman, playing as a freshman. And Justin would have played last year too had he not got that injury. I do think Isaac Slade leaving has a little bit to do with these young guys. I don't think he left because of the competition. I think he left because the coaching staff had made the decision they were going to go with the young guys. And I I, I do think that that is a tough situation for these guys with the transfer portal the way it is. They got to leave and go get a different spot because if you're a junior or a senior and you're getting bypassed by a freshman, there's nowhere to
1: go. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a a weird kind of dynamic now with the way the transfer portal has gone, how early people are enrolling and the caliber of players that are coming in. You know, it kind of makes me think a little bit about Alabama and how it's like, you know, how how are you, how do you sell that program? Obviously it's phenomenal and everything, but how do you sell like, Hey, we're going to be able to get some time here when there's just so much talent there. But um, I'm right there with you. I think that there's a lot of talent at the linebacker position. Um, you know, maybe that, that to the second level is, is, you know, a little bit unproven, um, but the, the potential is certainly there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot of cool playmakers. Uh, I was watching uh, a replay when I was writing a story, I was watching uh, the replay of Derudry yesterday and um, Justin Flo was walking back behind, and he just looked at the camera. it was flexing, and when you're in the moment, you know, uh, interviewing the coaches, maybe something you don't realize. But first thing I saw, I just I love the dude's energy. You know, you see his high school highlights; he's just violent, um, and he's just going to be so fun to watch this year. And we got that small dose in the spring game. I think that people are so ready to have something other than the spring game to talk about when it comes to flow, right? He, he's oh, yeah. super explosive and he's all over the place. And I think that we're only going to see, uh, you know, more high caliber players come in to compete as freshmen. And I think that that just speaks to the, the quality of the program and, and the culture that's been built and the expectations that are, uh, you know, around Oregon right now.
2: Well, I think, you know, there's some, for some guys, uh, an injury is probably a good thing. It helps them pump the brakes a little bit. It helps them see things from the sideline. There's a lot of guys that have been the star player for a long time, and they're just going, 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 but they don't really see it from all the angles, right? And Flo talked about that a little bit at the media day, how he, the injury helped him a little bit. Um, not a great time to get it, but why not as a freshman, Right. Flo's the type of guy, there is no off switch. I mean, he is on it. And I think his younger brother's in the same mode. And these guys just are in a different level completely. I mean, his flex thing that they sent the picture of, remember, that went viral a little bit, that was like last year. Okay, this is coming in. No, now he's on the weights hard. And uh, you know, so yeah, I saw that thing where you guys are all talking to the coach and he just comes out, flexes on him and He's just got a different level. I you know, I talk with a lot of guys over the, the summer and set up interviews and do sort of stuff. But I do a lot of the conversation with guys where we just don't even set up an interview, right? And I had a, a lot of conversation with Flo where he was like, dude, I don't even want to talk. I want to let my pads do the talking. I don't want an interview. I don't want anything. I want this to be like a stealth bomber coming in. And I'm like, dude, all for it. I'm all about that because to me, you know, I'm just trying to do what's best for the program, what's best for the kids, try to tell their story, right? I think part of his story is he lets the pads do the talking. Like I think that could be the name of his novel when he's done with the whole thing. We haven't even seen it really because these guys were not hitting in the spring game. They were, they were going through the motions. They were filling holes and look, making it look good on film, but there was no real pads popping, and this is a guy that wants to pop the pads. Big time. I mean, we haven't even in this fall camp seen the pads yet. They come on this next week, right? Thursday or Friday or whatever. So, man, it, it's so exciting. I just – I hope always for all these young guys that they, they get a chance. They they play good. They play fast. But they just don't get hurt, you know. Some of these guys go with their hair on fire so hard that uh, it, 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 it's easy for them to get hurt. Some of these guys maybe after an injury – Look at it a little differently. Maybe they don't run into every pile the same way, or maybe they don't, you know, they play it a little more cautiously. So I think it could have been one of the better things for him in his whole career long term was to suffer that injury freshman year.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. And you're looking at the athletes that they have at linebacker, um, you know, maybe somewhat of a little bit of a hybrid from what I've been hearing from coaches and players is Adrian Jackson. He's coming back looking healthy, absolutely shredded. Uh, I think we only have a couple minutes left here, Ryan, on the Zoom recording. Yeah. Um, so we might end it a little abruptly, but the last thing I wanted to try to talk about is the defensive line um, and maybe some of these guys that are emerging uh, behind Brandon Dorless. You guys got, you got guys like Popo Almavai, uh, Jason Jones, and Braden Swinson, uh, Big 44. I saw him holding the pads yesterday, and, and I kind of had to take a second and just say, wow, this guy, this guy is massive.
2: Yeah, the defense, I think, you know, one of the things, you know, losing some of those guys uh, last year, you know, who who had been there for so long, maybe there's guys who uh, they they, they don't really know what they're going to get next, you know, and uh, 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 I think that there's going to be a bunch of guys, Uh, uh, A Potee I think is going to be great, Uh, Keon Ware-Hudson, I think is going to be great. Uh, but I, 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 I think that they'll be just fine. I think Popo's ready to go. Uh, he had a very weird year last year with the corona, and he said he lost 20 pounds in the hotel room and lost all his gains. And, and I, I think there's guys who are ready to go. Jake Shipley's another guy who I think might get a little playing time at some point. Uh, there's just there's a lot of talent there. I, I think you could run with just Popo and Brandon Dorless and be good to go for a while. Uh, but there's gonna, they're going to be circling a lot of guys in there. Uh, and a lot of those guys are young.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And then kind of going along with that, we have these edge defenders that that kind of came in as outside linebackers, but they line up next to the linemen right there in the thick of things. Uh, a lot of talented freshmen there as well. You got Brandon Buckner, son of an NFL defensive line coach. Everyone's kind of heard that story. You know, Mario talking about how he has violent hands. Yeah. Uh, Terrell Tillman, who just looks super, super athletic. Uh, Jabril McNeil is a guy that I think was a real steal for them all the way from, uh, I, I think it was Raleigh, North Carolina, um, you know, you're, you're seeing all these different types of bodies, and a lot of them that are coming in don't need to play right now, but hopefully they get put in the position where they can get some of those meaningful reps uh, as freshmen to, to kind of, you know, speed things up a little bit in their development
2: well i think having kt at, at that spot has really taken so much of the spotlight that, that there's other guys that are going to be able to really shine um who who the people aren't talking about yet and uh, the way that they run these uh these guys it's 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 very strange you know historically you know you would think kt's a guy who'd come off the edge hand in the dirt now they're saying he might not put his hand down at all he might be you know a guy moving around at the snap i mean to think of having your best edge rusher moving around at the snap 20 years ago would have been a blasphemy. And now here it is, you know, now we're at that point. So there's a lot of flexibility. These guys are trying to put the best athletes on the field as possible. And they're trying to be very creative in ways they can use
1: them. I think that's one of the things that kind of got cleared up, uh, obviously here at practice, but also at PAC told me a day, when I was down in Hollywood, um, Katie kind of going back and saying, okay, I, I might've, uh, you know, taking people might have taken that out of a uh, you know, perspective or context. He He's not going to be, uh, you know, standing up all the time during saying that, you know, basically I just want to squeeze every bit of athleticism out of him that I can, um, which is, you know, it, it kind of makes you think for a second, well, why weren't we, why weren't they doing that, you know, ahead of time. But at the same time, when he came in as a freshman in 2019, they were just dominant and they had reached a level of defense that they hadn't seen in a while. So it's like, well, this is working. Like, why would we switch it up now? Um, but I'm really curious to see how the defense all comes together, not only just from the players perspective, but with all the the hires that we've seen in the offseason. Uh, Nick uh, Toth, uh, you know, he was a big addition. Jimmy Brumbaugh, guy coming from, uh, you know, uh, another championship pedigree, played a defensive line at Auburn as well. Marcel Yates coming in uh, from Cal, another guy that has worked with uh, deruter before. I mean, it, it's You know, you try from from a journalistic perspective, you know, you don't want to just be sunshine pumping all the time and just saying positive stuff because we got to talk about the bad stuff as well. You know, Oregon's not a perfect team, but things are just it's just like a wave, like a tsunami or a a perfect storm of just it looks like it's really coming into place and setting them up for success.
2: And that's why I'm so pumped about this year. I mean, going into this year, it looks absolutely prime. I mean, you're coming off of basically back-to-back championships in the Pac-12. Last year, you can say what you want about it. It's like an asterisk the whole year, but it is what it is, and you've got everything going. You've got talent. You've got depth. You've got a bunch of really hungry coaches. You've got a coaching staff that's pretty solid, but none of these guys have really tasted that really heavy success yet in their career, and they're all chasing it. They're all hungry. This is the, how these kind of things work. Uh, You get a bunch of really hungry individuals all going the same direction at the same time, and good things happen. This is a year where Mario could really cash in. I mean, if you you take a look at the national landscape, Oregon could really do some major, major things with a W that second week. If Oregon wins at Ohio State, it could literally change the face of the Pac-12 for maybe only just a month or two, but it could literally change the face of the Pac-12 nationally. How the national perspective of what the Pac-12 is, and that's a lot of pressure for Oregon. But I do think that Oregon has to make do with this. They they have all the talent here. You now you got to get W's.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's it's year four of the crystal ball era, I believe. Yeah. And you know, you're seeing. You know, even his oldest guys are only in their third year. Um, but I guess only three years of recruiting, I don't really know where I was going with that, but they, they've been in the system for a while. They've been at Oregon. Uh, they kind of know what's expected of them. Um, and you talk about it being prime, Ryan, you know, maybe this would be a cool way to kind of end the podcast. What, what are you most excited about this year? Whether it be a a player, a position group, a, a hire, a matchup, what have you?
2: Man, I'm excited for that Washington game at Seattle, dude. And not having them on the schedule last year and all of what went down at the end of the season with the COVID and everything else. And and I think that game is one that everybody has looked forward to. It's already a game we already look forward to. As a guy growing up in Portland, we love to go up to Seattle uh, and see that game. I think it's going to be a blast. I I do think that Oregon has a chance to beat uh, Ohio State in week two. Michigan and uh, Washington are playing that same day, and I think that Washington has a big chance to to do something there. Even if Michigan is down, they still have the name brand, and I think it would do a huge amount for the Pac-12 if both those schools won that second day. And if those schools won that second day, then chances are they're going to go into that game possibly undefeated, both of them. And if you have that, you have a top 10, top 15 matchup, would be humongous. I mean that would be an absolute game changer to have. Both those things happen on week two, build the whole resume, get a couple more Pac twelve wins under their belt, and then find themselves in a very unique position in Seattle. Uh that's the game of the year in my mind.
1: Yeah, they both you think about it, they both go into that game undefeated. That that could be the biggest game uh you know for the conference uh you know when you're just looking at who's gonna end up making it to Vegas for that Pac-12 championship game and you know I think Michigan might be the most I don't know if polarizing is the right word but like I, I'm just really interested to see what's going on there because like you said they have all that history and I think some people thought that Harbaugh was gonna get canned but they extended him you know getting your getting your uh your butt kicked by Ohio state every year, I guess, isn't enough to drive you out of there, but it's just hard. Right. You know, cause like, what do you, if not for that, what do you expect him to go and accomplish, but they're still getting good recruits. Um, you know, I, I kind of hope that they can kind of get, get, uh, get it together this year and, and maybe make that Ohio state game more competitive Michigan that is.
2: Yeah, well, I, I do think that, you know, Michigan has very high expectations and uh, and maybe maybe they need to temper those expectations a little bit. Um, Ohio State has clearly been the best team in the Big Ten over the last 10, 15 years. I mean, there might be every once in a while an outlier. Penn State obviously has a great program. Michigan has a great program. There's a tremendous amount of good programs in the Big Ten, but Ohio State is dominating that league. Um, as Alabama has dominated the SEC, as Clemson has dominated the ACC, I mean there is no question. I mean every single year in the in the championship game or in the championship final four, they're in the running. I mean that that that's pretty obvious. So uh, I do think this is going to be a big year for the Pac-12. I think USC has to be up in the running. I think the Pac-12 has to get at least three or four teams in the top twenty-five this year uh, consistently throughout the season to get any sort of notoriety to start to change the narrative. I don't know if the narrative is necessarily legit, but I do think it's it's real and, and, and it's out there. And I think that until Oregon uh, wins a big game, until Washington and Oregon uh, both have undefeated seasons going into the game against each other, those are the kind of things that make the storyline. You see it every year in the SEC when, you know, in week six or week seven, you have two SEC teams. They're both undefeated and it's the game of the week. And rarely do we have that in the Pac-12. We have teams that just, for whatever reason, they're losing, they're beating each other, whatever the case may be. But this could be a really big year. I think a lot of people are looking for USC to do some big things. And, you know, if USC can beat Notre Dame, I think that's a big deal every single year. Um, and uh, and then uh, I think for Oregon, I think, God, that Ohio State game could be just an absolute windfall. If Oregon, St- if, if Oregon can beat Ohio State out there, uh, it is going to be headline news across the country.
1: It just feels like everything has a little bit more riding on it with uh, that news of Texas and Oklahoma, uh, you know, going to the yes. SEC and and the whole conversation around realignment, you know, it's just like, you need USC to be good for the longest time. You know, I was kind of like, well, why does that really have to happen? You know, if Oregon's kicking butt, then everyone should be fine. Like as long as there's one good team that's kind of making some noise nationally, but that goes to your point, Ryan, you know, you got to have multiple teams within your conference that have the ability to go into other conferences in these bowl games and really hold their own, which is something that, we haven't had it in quite some time. You talk about the Oregon-Washington game being your, uh, you know, excitement point. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here with our last point. I, I'm so excited for the, the receivers. I mean, just when you think about the, the talent that is coming at every other position on offense, uh, we just haven't really, I feel like we haven't really seen that explosion, that playmaking wide receiver since Dylan Mitchell, really. Um, you know, he had uh, over a 1,000 yards receiving, I believe, in his last year. And I think that the point can definitely be made that there has been no greater investment aside from offensive line from a pure talent perspective than wide receiver. And, you know, watching Dante Thornton and, and Troy Franklin and, and now we have Isaiah Brevard, who's also on campus. I had that picture of, uh, you know, the three of them and uh, in, in one little frame, three high school Americans and in, in one picture. It just it, you can't it's hard not to be excited because they're just so fun to watch.
2: Oh, absolutely. And there was, you know, a time just 5, 6 years ago where wide receiver was a major question mark at Oregon. You know, you had you've always had a history of good wide receivers, but you've never really had the depth of quality wide receivers that you have right now. Add to that the fact that you got the Johnny Johnson coming back and you have Jalen Red coming back. Again, you know, this, this COVID thing has really changed a lot with this last year, you know, not, not counting against guys' uh, uh, scholarship or whatever or, uh, you know, eligibility. This could be a humongous year for those guys. Um, uh, I, 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 I've thought over time that some of those guys are some of the best wide receivers we've ever seen. I don't know if we really give them the credit that they deserve, but they make humongous plays. I mean, Jalen Red has been an absolute playmaker, Uh, And Johnny Johnson III, I think, is a huge, huge— but these young guys are wild. Um, and I think that you're going to see a lot from these young guys. I think they're going to put they're, they're going to put the ball in these guys' hands early and often. I think they're going to go deep a lot. Last year we saw it early in the year. It looked a little ragtag. It looked a little playground. Uh, at times I think it'll be much tighter this year. But I think they're going to go deep. I think they're going to spread the ball around. And, you know, uh, Mosley talked about it in, in the article last week. He said, you know, the Ducks were one of the, the leading teams in the country with going deep, uh, yards per uh, uh, play. Uh, and I think they're going to do – Continue to do more of that. So why wouldn't you? Uh, when the when the wide receivers are this good, uh, why wouldn't you want to get the ball to them? And that's not even we're, talking, we're not even talking about a guy like Micah Pittman, who's come in as a freshman and been a stud. I mean, every time he can get his hands on the ball, he does something wild with it. Sometimes he only gets one or two looks, and it's amazing. I mean, he's a highlight real type guy. So uh, I I think that they're just stacked. I'm I'm with you. I think that's the the most exciting. A group on the whole offensive side is the wide receivers.
1: Yeah, we're gonna have to stay tuned for that. Uh, certainly got a big test against Ohio State uh, in Week Two, but uh, Ryan, hell of a pod, man. Um, I mean, yeah, we were talking earlier. Um, I'd love to to get you on as many of these as we can. Sure. Uh, I think you got some awesome stuff to talk about, okay. and uh, you know, for the listeners out there, maybe noticed that uh, I wasn't as awkward and it was a little bit more free flowing. Yeah. um with you on there but um yeah man just wanted to thank you for coming on by and and hope to have you back on uh, real soon but very last thing i gotta uh, give you an opportunity to plug yourself where can people <laughs> find more of you and more of your work
2: well thank you man i'm i'm uh, i'm in section 34 row six seat one if you want to check me out at odson we're super pumped to get there, but no, I, I I'm on Sports Chat 503 YouTube. I don't really do that much to promote the brand. I'm just a regular guy. I get in my basement. I talk about it. I've done it for years, but you know it's really fun. It's a great way to be a part of the community. Everywhere I go, people recognize me. They say, "Hey, Sports Chat," "All right, all right, all right," or whatever. And I mean, just even just the other day, I'm over in I'm in Bend. I'm playing golf in Sun River. And a guy comes up into the group and he, and he's playing with us and, and he's, he's got the duck gear. I said, hey, you should check out the I got a, a, a YouTube channel. And he says, sports chat? He says, I thought I recognized you. I'm like, dude, uh, I can't even get away from it. So it's really fun. I love interacting. I just love to chat. Anytime you can talk, I love to talk, and Max, I'm really proud of you. You've come a long way with, like you're saying, in your journey as a journalist. You got a very, very bright future. I'm super pumped with what you're doing, and like I said, to start this whole thing off, you ask great questions. You don't have any of the negativity that maybe other reporters bring to the uh, circle sometimes. I think Cristobal likes your questions. He gives you really good answers. And uh, I'll make sure at the uh, coach's dinner when I see Cristobal to uh, say, uh, give you a shout out because you do a great job and I just love being a part of anything you got going on. So appreciate you, man.
1: <laughs> right on. Well, I, I appreciate all the kind words, Ryan. It's it's definitely been a trip and I'm, I'm very fortunate and grateful to be here, man. Um, you know, very last thing to uh, wrap it up on, you can find more of me on Twitter at Uh You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel, Max Taurus. Uh, we're going to be on the, uh, podcasting apps, as well as YouTube for this episode. Uh, and make sure to tune into Ducks Digest. That's si.com slash college slash Oregon for all of your Oregon Ducks content. Uh, been a heck of an episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one. Take care.